and other people's actions have disappointed you. But it's still me and it's still you that chooses to think those things because no one can make you think a certain way about yourself. Now they can influence you, but it's always you who decides what to think or not to think about yourself. Welcome to the Mission Driven Podcast, the show designed to empower, educate, and encourage you to stay focused and committed to your mission. I'm your host, AC Cristales. Let's get ready to roll. Thank you so much for joining me on the Mission Driven Podcast. Whether this is your first time joining in or you've been listening to the podcast since it started a few weeks back, I just want to express my gratitude to you. I hope you don't mind the difference in the audio between the two published podcasts. I'm still in the process of figuring out which audio filter works best and which one will also provide the cleanest sound. Because if you don't know this about me, when it comes to doing work or putting out a project, I pride myself on providing the best quality possible. So thank you for listening in spite of some audio flaws you may not notice them but trust me i do they're there but i'm wanting and i'm bound to get them cleaned up also a quick thanks for those of you who have messaged me on instagram twitter facebook to tell me that you've listened and enjoyed the podcast i truly appreciate your messages and i am grateful that what i'm sharing is impacting and encouraging you where Ever you may find yourself on your journey of success. So keep those messages coming, share the podcast with your family and friends, and rate and review the podcast as well, because you never know how your review may encourage someone to listen to the podcast and be impacted as well. And I never know who might be listening to the podcast either. You know, I get analytic reports and I've seen that most of my followers are from the great state of Texas. So thank you so much, Texas. Muchas gracias. But I've also had some listeners from Massachusetts, Arkansas, Michigan, and Illinois. So if you're from one of those states, thank you. And Illinois, I'm guessing that's my family. So thanks, fam. Appreciate you for checking out the podcast. And there's also been international listeners. And when I saw that, I was like, whoa, you know, my podcast is reaching, you know, internationally as well. So again, that's something that, man, I don't take for granted and I'm thankful for. So for those people from Mexico and Colombia who have listened to the podcast, muchísimas gracias por su apoyo. And last, check this out. I've even had some listeners from Brazil. So if you're from Brazil, allow me to say, obrigado por ouvir, which means thank you for listening. Yeah, I didn't know I was trilingual, did ya? <laughs> One more thing as I continue on this gratitude kick. I'm glad that you guys told me that you enjoyed how I connected the scenes from the Rocky movie to provide us. And I say us because I definitely include myself. It provided us some life lessons on the previous podcast. I also liked how even though some of you may have never seen the movie and you admitted that to me, uh, shame on you, by the way, but you still thought that using Rocky and the specific scenes, which I chose were an awesome reference and that my personal example made it even more relatable. So again, thank you for listening and thank you for the feedback and keep it coming, please. But enough on that. Let's talk about celebrating community. Now, before we get into our discussion on celebrating community, I want to preface this podcast with a reminder that the plan I have for this podcast is to alternate between topics of empowerment and education. Last episode was about empowerment, so this episode is going to be about education. But before you stop listening because in your mind you're thinking, man, I'm not an educator. Allow me to shed some light on you. You are an educator. 
if we have someone in our lives who we're raising or someone who looks up to us in some sort of way or fashion, guess what? We're educators. Now, most of the time when people hear the term educator, they automatically associate it with teacher and they're not incorrect. However, I believe that doing so is a limited association of the word educator because check this out to me when you teach. That basically means that you're able to show someone how to do something or explain to someone a specific concept or skill. But to educate, that goes deeper. You're not only providing intellectual information, you're also providing moral and social instruction. That is why I believe that anyone can teach because anyone can receive enough training and acquire the proper certification to do so. But just because a person has been trained and has a certification to teach parts of speech, scientific formulas, or sociological concepts, that doesn't mean that A, they're automatically able to do a good job at teaching, and B, that they're educators. Yeah, some teachers may have the job of a teacher, but that doesn't mean that they do the work of an educator. See, understand, that an educator is concerned with more than just worksheets, more than just PowerPoints, more than just research papers or math homework. An educator is interested in making sure that their kids or their students or their family members or that teenager or college student that looks up to them are prepared for life. And simply teaching does not do that. But when you educate, what you seek to do is lead. What you seek to do is guide. And that's why I believe that any educator is also a leader. And also to educate means that you draw out from. Now, where are we wanting to lead our kids? Where are we wanting to lead our students, our young people? We want to lead them from ignorance to knowledge, from darkness to light, from a place where they're struggling to a place where they're flourishing. And what is it that we're wanting to draw out from our kids? I believe that what we want to draw out or that we should draw out is their potential, their gifts, their talents, their purpose. Look, there are many kids, many kids, many teenagers that walk through life aimlessly because they have not figured out the great purpose that lies within them. So when you, as their teacher, as their parent, as their principal, as their SRO, take on the role of an educator and lead and draw out the potential of the students that you have responsibility over, you're going back to the heart of education. Because the heart of education is leading, it's guiding, and it's drawing out that potential that lies within our students. And that's what education should be about. But sadly today, it's not. It's about test scores and the pressure to raise achievement scores. And that's what's driving schools now, right? That's what's driving what is being taught in schools and how things are being taught. Yeah, our students know how to highlight key words in a question, but they don't always know how to think critically about real world experiences. And yeah, our kids, they know how to recite hundreds of facts, but in a rapidly changing world, they need to be able to do more. They need to be able to analyze and make sense of information because again, what is the purpose of having all this knowledge if our students aren't able to apply it to their world? See, what we teach our students has to be relevant and has to be real. But the reality is that it's not always the case. Yet, some of the best education we ever receive never happens at school. Now for my listeners out there who have attended and are proud alumni of this great school, and it's not OU, Boomer Sooner, and it's not UT, and it's not Florida State, it's not UCLA, it's not UMass, it's not any of those schools. It's the School of Hard Knocks, all right? If, you've, if you're a proud alumni of the School of Hard Knocks, you know what I'm talking about. You know that it has been those struggles and those challenges that have shaped and made who you are today. Again, an education that you didn't receive at school, 
Now, here's a shameless plug, all right? Here's a shameless plug, and I don't always do this now. You know I don't have any ads in my podcast, you know, as of now, okay? But my brother and I, we wrote a book entitled The School of Hard Knocks a couple of years ago that you can find if you're wanting to read that book. You're able to find it on acspeaks.com and amazon.com. But anyways, a few weeks ago, I was at a meeting with other local speakers in the Dallas area. And as we sat at a table, we were asking each other what we spoke about and what materials we used to market ourselves. Well, I had a copy of my book with me and this older gentleman read the title and said, School of Hard Knocks, huh? Hmm. Tell me about your School of Hard Knocks. So I shared a few facts about my life in terms of the challenges and obstacles that I experienced growing up as a kid, you know, grew up poor and was raised by a single mom. And after telling him that, he smiled and said, hmm, yeah, I've been through some challenges too. And you know what? I could have titled my book, The School of Hard Knocks as well. You see, the greatest lessons in life don't always come from books, but they come from life itself. You can read tips about surviving heartbreak, but until you've actually experienced heartbreak and triumphantly got your life back on track, you won't always know what works or what doesn't work for you. But life and experience teaches you that. And you know what else? Others who have gone before you, they're able to teach you the things you should do and shouldn't do. See, I like this quote. There's this quote from Otto von Bismarck, which says, that a fool learns from his mistakes, but a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. And that's why I strongly believe in the power that every individual has, and that is the power of your story. Your story has power, and it's not just about sharing your successes, but it's also about your failures. Because when you share your failures, in essence, what you're doing is cautioning others, hey, this is what I did and this is what happened, so be careful. Or you're telling them, look, learn from what I did or didn't do. Learn from what I should have done or shouldn't have done. That's wisdom, and I think every parent wants their children to do better than them. I don't think there's one parent that wants their kids to struggle the way that they might have. I don't think that there's any parent who wants their kids to go through the same things that they went through. I know I don't want that for my daughter, Isabella, and I know my mom did not want that for me. And that is why I can say without a shadow of a doubt that one of the most influential educators in my life is a person who never earned a college degree. A woman who doesn't have a high school diploma, never attended middle school, is limited in speaking English. But I promise you, this educator impacted me so much that I am eternally indebted to her. And the educator I'm referring to is my mother. In fact, I'd like to echo what Abraham Lincoln once stated. That all that I am, all that I ever hope to be, I owe to my mother. So the AC Cristalis that you see today, the AC Cristalis that you're listening to right now, would not be here if I didn't have the mom that I had. So, if you're a parent, this episode is for you. Trust me, as a father, as a mother, you are the first influential force in your child's life. If you're a teacher, this episode is for you. Because if you're a good teacher now, guess what? You can always get better and getting better means you have to be intentional about the things that you allow to influence you with regard to how you do your job. And yes, good teachers know their content. They know their curriculum, but great teachers know their content and they know their students. If you're a principal or assistant principal, this episode is for you because you have the responsibility of impacting not only students, but teachers and parents as well. 
And if you work with people or if you're wanting to teach real life concepts and lessons as a youth or a social worker, this episode is for you as well. So let's talk about promoting and celebrating community. First of all, what is community? The dictionary defines community in two ways. The first way it's defined is that a community is a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. Second, a community is defined as a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. Now, don't let that word fellowship scare you, okay? Fellowship is brotherhood, sisterhood, or simply put, it's what I like to say, fellowship means family, familia, all right? <laughs> now, I want to focus on the second definition of having that feeling of fellowship with others because I believe that the success of any group, class, family, or relationship hinges on what type of community they've created. So community to me is about three things. And this is what we're going to focus on in this podcast. These three things. Community is feeling respected, knowing that you're cared about, and being recognized by those in your community. So that's what we're going to focus on. The first feeling respected. You have to understand that respect is key in any relationship. And therefore, it's important that your students or your children know that you not only demand and want respect from them, but that you're also providing respect to them. And it's not always easy to admit when you as a parent or an educator aren't always respectful to your kids, you know, or providing them the same respect that you want. And trust me, if you're like me, you know, the authority figure and what you say goes, it's tough. Trust me, I know, right? And it's something that I know that I have to work on as a father and I know that I have to work on as, as you know, as I work with students. And it's something that, you know, um, it challenges me to, to be better because, you know, I truly believe that if I want, you know, students to respect me, if I want my daughter to respect me, then I have to respect her and I have to respect, you know, the students, you know, so it's a, it's a reciprocal thing. Okay. Respect is reciprocal. All right. And when I, when this really hit home for me, because again, you know, the authority figure, right. You know, I was raised with this old school mentality, you know, what I say goes. Okay. But when it hit me was when Isabella was a second grade. So I have to tell you this story. So I remember picking up Isabella from school and it was a Tuesday afternoon and Tuesdays are usually reserved for soccer. And she gets in the car and I ask her, okay, do you have your soccer stuff? And she's like, no. And I don't know what was going on with me, but I'm just like, no, you know, I was like, what do you mean you don't have your soccer stuff? Like, where's your soccer stuff? Where's, where were your cleats? Where are your shin guards? You know, where are the things, you know, you have practice and mind you, she's in second grade. Okay. She's in second grade. And, you know, so I'm, I'm getting on to her and obviously my voice is going up, you know, I'm, I'm talking very sternly and man, you know, she just starts tearing up and I hate that. I hate seeing my little baby girl tear up, you know, and, and instead of me being loving and caring, I'm like, what are you crying for? You know, I'm telling you, I'm being transparent. All right. So don't, don't judge me. Don't, don't judge me. I'm like, man, why are you talking to your daughter like that? But I'm like, why are you crying? You know? And it's kind of like that old school mentality. You want, you want me to, you want to cry for real? You know, I'll give you something to cry about. By the way, I didn't say that, but I'm like, what are you crying about? And you know what she told me? She told me, Bobby, I don't like when you talk to me like that, man. When I heard that, I was like, what? <laughs> and I have to be honest that my 
response back wasn't, oh, I'm sorry, baby. My response back was still, why do you want me to talk to you? Do you want me to talk to you like that? I'm, I was still, I was still, I still wasn't getting it, you know, even though it like, it kind of stung when she said that, I still was like, well, how do you want me to talk to you? Because again, I'm the authority figure, right? But then, you know, when, when I said that and, you know, just noticed, I saw her face and how, you know, my accents and my voice and my tone and what I was saying and how I was saying it was affecting her. I was like, you don't like me talking to you like that, do you? And she's like, no. And I was like, I'm sorry, baby. I'm sorry. I just, you know, it's not, you know, you're getting older. You know, it's not your mom's responsibility to make sure you got your stuff. It's your responsibility. And mind you, she was in second grade, okay? <laughs> but I was like, I'm sorry. And again, that was one of those moments where I was challenged as a father. I was challenged as a father to make sure that, okay, I'm wanting my daughter to respect me. And I'm wanting her to be able to trust me. And I'm wanting to build a relationship with her that where she feels free to talk to me. And yet, how am I treating her? So at that moment, I had to check myself. I had to check my tone and I had to realize that my actions with my daughter are either creating a bond of trust or they're creating a bond filled with fear. So I want you to think about the type of bond that you're creating with your students and with your kids and ask yourself, is the respect that I'm demanding from them, am I providing that for them as well? One of the things that I've always tried to live by is this. I don't want to ask from others what I first wouldn't give them myself. So if I'm asking for respect, it's because I am given respect. If I'm asking for effort, it's because I am given effort. And that's that's important. Why should we ask from others what we're not willing to give them? You know, and, you know, I, I see it, you know, I see it with my with my college students. Here's another example. You know, I remember teaching an 8 a.m. class an 8 a.m. class. I was like, man, I vow I have vowed I'm not going to teach another 8 a.m. class. But who knows? You know, I may teach one you know, next semester or next year. But, you know, 8 a.m., you know, for a college student. So, you know, one of the things that that I pride myself on is that, that I bring some energy, you know, I bring some enthusiasm. So students come into the classroom. You know, they're sitting there, you know, the, the timer goes off and we're ready to start class. And I'll say, good morning. And they come to, back to me with some weak good morning, like good morning. I'm like, nah, I, I'm quick to put an end to that. I'm quick to put an end to that. I'm like, nah, that was weak. We're going to try this again. And so good morning. And they're like, good morning. And if it gets better, okay, we can move on. And this is what I tell them. My like, guys, come on. If I'm here at 8 a.m. or if I'm here with this energy, I want the same type of energy because, again, I'm not asking from them what I'm not giving them myself. And I've noticed that that enthusiasm rubs off. You know, they're they're able to they see that, you know, I'm passionate about what I'm doing. And so that's contagious. That passion is contagious. And I, I believe it's the same with respect. You know, if you give them respect, guess what? They'll give you respect. So community. It's about respect. And the second thing, it's about being cared for. Do you understand that kids just want to know that people in their lives care about them? You know, in my time as a school principal, I never met a kid who was sent to the office. And when he or she arrived to the office and I asked them what was going on in so-and-so's class or why are you getting in trouble or what's the reason for your misbehavior? No kid has ever told me this. Well, Mr. Kristalis, 
The reason that I'm acting this way and being disrespectful is because the teacher isn't utilizing technology in the classroom. And she's also failing to use best teaching practices. If she just incorporated Google Classroom or inquiry-based instruction, I would act better. Guess what? I've never heard that. But for the most part, when I've asked the student what's going on in class or why are you getting in trouble or why are you being this way to miss so-and-so, this is what I've heard. Guess what? The teacher doesn't care about me. So why should I care about her? The teacher calls me names, the teacher yells at me, the teacher cusses at the class, the teacher doesn't want to help, the teacher screams. So why should I try when she acts like that? And you know why kids are like that? Because kids just want to know that they're cared for. So when was the last time you told your students that you care about them? When was the last time you told your son or daughter, I care about you? And so when you care about somebody, that should be communicated verbally. But you know what it's also about? It's not just the verbal communication. It's also your actions, like spending quality time with your kids or taking time out of your day, taking time out of your class to just ask your students questions. And I get it. As teachers and principals, we have lots of things to take care of. But how would your school community change if you took the first two to three minutes of class just to ask your students how they're doing? Parents, we have long days, we have responsibilities, we have bills to pay, and you know what? We go through traffic and we're stuck in traffic and then we get home and the easiest thing to do is just to sit down and watch TV and put on that new Netflix show or, you know, scroll through your phone and look up fantasy football. And I get it because I'm playing fantasy football and I'm in two leagues and, you know, Sundays are just consumed with football. But how would the strength of the community or how would the community of my family change if I devoted more time with just asking my daughter, how was your day? I'm making sure, hey, put that phone up. And, and trust me, there's some times where, you know, we have to tell Isabella, put your phone away. And check this out. Isabella's getting older. And by the way, I know I'm talking so much about her and I hope that's okay. But it's just so fitting for this podcast because I truly believe that my greatest purpose in life is not about being a speaker. It's not about being a principal. It's not about being a college professor. It's about being a father. And so I don't take this responsibility lightly. And it's a thing that I carry over when I work in schools as a professor or assistant principal. I want to be able to express a caring spirit. I want to be able to express a compassionate heart to the students that have been placed in my life. Because check this out. I see them as my kids as well. As I was saying, though, Isabella's getting older. You know, she's, you know, she's 10. You know, she's preteen. And I'm starting to see the shift in her attitude. So trust me, her mom and I, we have to check her from time to time. But it's my hope that we do so in a manner that lets her know, baby girl, even though we're getting on to you, we care about you. In fact, that's why we're getting on to you. That's why we're telling you this. And you know what? So many kids have this misconception that when you get on to them and when you get upset, it's because you hate them and don't care about them. So if you're, if you're a student listening, you know, if you're a teenager listening to this, let me tell you something. When your parents get on to you and you're thinking, man, why is my mom so strict or why is my dad so strict? They hate me. That's not the case. In fact, the fact that they're taking time to talk to you and let you know what you're doing is wrong or let you know what they're doing is unacceptable. They're doing so because they care about you. In fact, this is what I say. I care about you and love you so much to actually say something. Because let me tell you something. When a person doesn't care about you, guess what? They don't waste any time. They just let you be. 
when a person is finished with you, they don't bother with you. So when I don't say anything to you, when I don't address it, that's when you should be worried. But the fact that I'm telling you something, the fact that I'm I'm trying to just be there for you and warn you and, and you know give you some advice or give you some wisdom, man, that just lets you know I care about you. You know, I got this reputation by some people that as an assistant principal, all I did was suspend kids. You know, that's all I did. You know, I would just send them home. That I was kind of like Oprah in a sense, you know? But instead of you get a home, and you get a home, and you get a home, it was you're going home, you're going home, and you're going home. <laughs> and you know what? I'm not denying that I didn't send kids home, that I didn't suspend them. But what many of these people felt to see were the conversations that I had with these students. The conversations of me trying to figure out, hey, what's going on? The conversations of, hey, how can I help you? What is it that you're going through? Or what is it that you're going to do differently next time? You know, and it's, it was those conversations where I even opened up about my own life and opened up about my own struggles and opened up about my own challenges as a teenager. Because, again, many times students feel that you don't know what they're going through or you can't understand them or you wouldn't know what they're feeling. And so many times students have this wrong picture that, you know, you got your life together and you've never gone through anything. And that's far from the case. And so, yeah, I've opened up. And I've told them my story. I've told them how I grew up without a father. I told them how my father used to physically abuse my mom. I told them how my father was on drugs most of his life. And yet here I am. And I truly believe that it was my transparency with them that helped them see me in a different way. Now, I didn't have to do that. Nowhere in the manual of being an assistant principal or principal does it say, hey, you have to share your struggles with your students. But I believe in the power of our story. And I believe that it's our story that makes the biggest difference. So as I shared that, yeah, I had some students that would open up and tell me what's going on with them. And then I had some students that didn't. And you know what? Guess what? That's just how it goes. But I know that I did my part to show them that I care. I know that I did my part in saying, hey, you're going home, but it's not personal. It's not that I have something against you. It's just business. And I just want to let you know that this is how life works. This is how the real world is. Okay. So again, let me get my godfather on. It's not personal. It's business because in life, every action has a consequence. And guess what? You can't always choose your consequences, but you can choose your actions. And that was the message that I was trying to convey with the students. Caring doesn't mean that you let your students or kids get away with everything. Caring means that, hey, I want you to succeed and I'm committed to helping you do so. And even if it means calling you out and telling you that this isn't beneficial to you, I'm going to do it because I want to see you succeed I'm committed to helping you so you can be mad at me you can go to your room and shut the door and be upset but guess what I still care about you so it's all good and I'm gonna do my part to help you be successful I mean if you're a teacher have you ever noticed how when you've been tough on your students you've been tough and caring that's the important part most of the time it's those students that remember you the most it's those students that will come to you after school that want to give you a hug or that want to stay and just talk to you. And you're thinking, hold on, what's going on? I get on these kids all the time and yet here they are. And why is that? 
because they know that you care about them. And again, students want to know that they're cared about. And you can show that you care about them by challenging them to do better, to be better, by communicating that you care about them and by being committed to helping them regardless of their mistakes, regardless of their failures, because this type of caring, this type of love should be unconditional. Listen, I don't love my daughter because she makes good grades, because she plays soccer, because she's a visco girl. By the way, I still don't know what that is. I think it's about like scrunchies and vans or something. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't love her because she loves to chill at the house like me. You know, we're both homebodies. And those are all good things about her. But I don't love her because of that. I love her simply because she's my daughter. And therefore, I know that she's going to mess up. I know she's going to make mistakes. But this type of love, this type of care is unconditional. And that's what our kids need. And our students, they don't always do the right things. They don't always say the nicest things. But they're still our students. And we can't control what they do. But we can always control what we do. And how we can be there for them. Look, we may be the only caring person in that student's lives. That's why when students know that we care about them, man, it's a difference maker. When you create a bond, a powerful bond with your students, it's a difference maker. Because connection, relationship, bonds, that's what makes the biggest difference in our kids' lives. And I get it. You have a specific curriculum that you have to teach. But without caring, the greatest curriculum plans are fruitless. So we have communities about respect, communities about caring. And the last thing in celebrating community and promote community is about recognition. It's about recognizing those in your community. And recognition is when you acknowledge someone. And can I tell you something? Recognition doesn't have to come because someone did something good or did something bad. Recognition should come simply because that student, that person, that parent, that staff member is in your presence. And who doesn't like to be acknowledged? And why should acknowledgement only come when a person does something well? And I'm not saying don't recognize success. Please do. But if we're building and celebrating community, then it should be an everyday thing. So that means that every time I see my student, guess what? I acknowledge them. And again, who doesn't like to be acknowledged? Who doesn't like to be recognized? Look, I have to tell you this. For the past couple of weeks... I was serving as an assistant principal at elementary school, Tola Elementary. And um, I'm kind of sad. I'm not, I'm not going to be there anymore. But um, it was a great time for me. And again, you know, I'm a, I'm a middle school guy. You know, I did assistant principal for eight and a half years at the middle school. In fact, last year I was out of middle school for, for six months. And it was great to be back home, you know, great to be in my element. And, you know, for the past three and a half years, I've been teaching college students. So to be at an elementary school was, was a little bit different for me, but every morning I'd get there and I would stand by the entrance and say hi to the students as they walked into the building. So it was about fist bumps and nicknames because I, I love giving kids nicknames, you know, and it was telling them good morning and have a great day. And it was noticing their backpacks. Like there was this one kid who had a Bucky's one. And if you're from Texas, you know what Bucky's is. And there was a little girl who had her unicorn backpack. And then there was that pre-kindergarten student who was wearing his Paw Patrol backpack. You know, I mean, I noticed stuff like that. And you got to remember, this is elementary. And you know what? The majority of kids appreciated that. Because who doesn't like to be recognized and acknowledged? And then I realized 
a game changer when it comes to recognition and acknowledgement. So I would say good morning and some students would just stare at me. And I was kind of wondering why, why are these students just staring at me? You know, why aren't they saying it back? But then I put two and two together. These are our English language learners. These are our, you know, our bilingual babies, right? And so I would smile at them and then they smile back. And then, you know, I would say buenos dias. You know, I would say good morning in Spanish and they would say buenos dias. But smiling, you know, that universal gesture. And you got to understand that a smile is contagious. And normally when you smile at someone or someone smiles at you, the natural response is to smile back. And sometimes it's a simple smile that lets a student know that you're recognizing them. So you know what I want you to do? I want to challenge you. I want, I want to challenge you to smile at somebody today. In fact, if you're sitting next to someone right now, I want you to just turn and look at them and smile at them and see how that tiny gesture can change the mood. Look, I'm big on service. And if I go to a restaurant and I can tell that the person at the front or my waiter or waitress has an attitude because their body language is evident that they have a nasty negative attitude and they're not smiling. Guess what? I don't want to be there. So there have been times when that has happened. And guess what? I walked out of there because I don't need that. All right. And I think the kids are the same way. You know, I think that they come to school and when they see someone has this pissed off mad look about them, I think it discourages them. I don't think it, they really think like, oh, look, that's my principal. That's my teacher. You know, they have that scowl on their face. Today's going to be a good day. I don't, I don't think they do that. And trust me, I know. I know smiling for some may not come easy. And that was me. Because when I was growing up, every picture that I took as a teenager, man, I didn't smile because I was a G. That's gangster, by the way. You know, I was just about those locals, right? I, I didn't smile. But now, guess what? This G, this G is smiling because life is good. I am smiling because life has taught me that my attitude can impact not only my life, but also the life of others. Your attitude, your tone, your behavior impacts more than just yourself. It impacts those around you. So, yeah, smile. And it's not just an elementary thing. Although I do have to tell you another story about why I'm going to miss working at this elementary school. So there was this sweet kindergarten girl who would show up to school right before the tardy bell would ring. And so in an effort to help her not be late to her class, I would walk her to her class and I would hold her little hand. And as we were walking in the hallways to her classroom, I would ask her about how her morning was. And I would ask her if she ate breakfast and she told me she did. And then I said, okay, well, what did you eat? And she'd say she ate cotton candy cereal. And then I would wonder, well, where can I get that cereal? And then she'd tell me about her dog. And then I would smile and tell her about Isabella's dog. And, you know, we'd have that conversation too. We got to her class. And then I'd tell her, have a great day, sweetie. And she smiled back. Now, this is why the story is important. Because there was a sadness to this little girl every time she walked into the school. And I can't pinpoint what it was, or I can't even confirm that I was correct in my judgment about her having the sadness about her. But I do know that seeing her smile after we had those walks from the front of the building to her classroom seeing her smile after knowing that she walked in looking down, looking sad, 
simply because I acknowledged her, simply because I took time to smile at her and talk to her and ask her questions. That's what it's all about for me when it comes to education, because I believe that's the heart of education. Drawing out that joy, leading and guiding and making sure that they have a great day. That's the heart of education. And I get it. Maybe some of you are thinking, come on, man, smiling. That's just an elementary thing. You know, I work in middle school. I work in high school. You know, come on. You know, I'm not going to walk kids to class and they're not going to tell me about their cotton candy cereal. But who says you can't ask your kids about cereal? Who says you can't ask that high school student about how their weekend went? Look, everyone likes to get acknowledged and recognized. And can I tell you something that my college students, they appreciate the smile too. I mean, they love it. They love when I walk up to them. They look at me a little weird and you know, I want to say hi to them and shake their hand. They're kind of like, what the heck is going on? But I, but I tell you, at the end of the semester, they appreciate that. Because from the very beginning, from the first day of class, I tell my students, guess what? We're building a community of kindness in this classroom. And so you know what that looks like? It looks like this. Every time we finish our discussions with our partners, we thank our partners. And guess what? Every time we introduce ourselves to each other, we do so with a smile and we acknowledge that even though we may not all come from the same place, we may not share the same beliefs, we're all special and therefore we'll all respect each other because we're building a community of kindness in this classroom. What type of community are you building in your classroom? What type of community are you building within your family? I don't want you to limit recognition and acknowledgement as simply an elementary thing. Because again, I think we all as individuals like to be acknowledged and like to be recognized. So as you go on with your week, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to acknowledge someone today, tomorrow, or later on this week. And not because that someone did something deserving of acknowledgement, but just do it because. It's like back in the day for me, you know, when I was dating someone and I would just call just because, you know, I didn't need anything. I didn't want anything. It was just, I'm thinking about you. And a majority of the time, that type of gesture placed a smile on that person's face. <laughs> so find your student, buy him or her some chips, give them a pencil or go to your son and tell him you're proud of him or go to your daughter and tell her she's beautiful and just acknowledge simply because and watch how that acknowledgement can strengthen the community. Because understand this, the meaningful connections between students and teachers, the meaningful connections between parents and children, that's what's essential in making sure that they're set up in the best way possible to succeed. Again, education is about leading and guiding and about drawing out the potential, the gifts that lie within our students our kids and I'm sure there's much that you want to teach I'm sure there's much that you want to share but remember this this is my mantra you can't teach them if you don't reach them in the family every member is unique and has her own style and personality and that's to be celebrated I mean my daughter she's a visco girl right she's wearing vans she's not wearing Jordans even though I love Jordans she likes Taylor Swift and I like Tupac but it's okay she's not supposed to to be 100% like me. She's uniquely made in fashion and that is to be celebrated. So know that about your own kids. Celebrate their gifts. Celebrate their talents. Celebrate what they like because that's how true community is built. 
and at school, you know that students come from various backgrounds, ethnicities, and that they celebrate numerous cultural norms that you may or may not be familiar with. But that's why it's essential to celebrate community because when you do, you honor the diversity that exists in your classroom. On my website, there's a blog specifically with, for educators that detail four ways to consistently celebrate community in the classroom. Because I understand good teachers for the most part will promote community at the beginning of the school year because at the beginning of the school year, everyone's nice, right? Everyone's happy, everyone's excited, but it's those great teachers. The great teachers will take steps to celebrate community all year round. So in this blog, it details four ways, highlights four ways that you can do to consistently celebrate community in the classroom. And if you're interested in those four tips, go to acspeaks.com, click on the blogs, and you'll be able to read and download the Celebrate Community blog. Okay, so here we go. Listeners, that's it for episode three. And I hope that you've received some helpful tips on how to strengthen your community and how to celebrate it. Because understand this, we're humans and as humans, we're made for interaction. We need each other and we all need to feel like we matter and we're respected and that we're cared for and that those in our community recognize and acknowledge us. Those three things are the heart of education. And that's what we must strive to get back to, because as Aristotle once wrote, educating the mind without educating the heart is no education at all. Thank you for listening to the Mission Driven Podcast with AC Cristales. Be sure to follow me on social media and don't forget to subscribe to the show that is now available on iTunes. And also, don't forget to leave a rating and review. As always, the mission continues, so remain mission-driven. Till next time, faith, hope, love.